Business Podcast. I am your host, Esther Adelkoff. In this week's episode, I interview my husband, Akiva Ziesold, about his therapy journey and what he has learned along the way. It's a candid, funny, open conversation, and I really hope you enjoy. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we had to record it from home, and I really apologize. There is somewhat of a lower sound quality. Um, I hope we can get back to recording at the studio as soon as possible, but please bear with us. And while I have your attention, I just want to give a shout out to all the essential workers and thank them so much for their service. Without any further ado, let's jump in. Welcome, Akiva. Hey, Esther. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for for having me on. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. I know that you've heard these things before, but I think it's worth it to put this out to the the universe and everyone else that's listening. First of all, you got a big thanks in helping me come up with a name. Uh, Hello, Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. That's you. And Mm -hmm. also, thank you for supporting me Mm -hmm. every step of the way. I really appreciate it. My honor. And I wanted to jump in by asking you about your experiences in therapy. Um, my experiences. Oh, okay. Um, so where should we start? You I guess. Talk I guess a little bit about yourself. For those of you who don't know, this is my husband. Hi. Akiva my name Z-Saltz. is Akiva Zisaltz. Um. I was born in Bnei Brak, Israel, give a light background, and uh, about age six, we moved, my family moved to Muncie, New York, fairly uh, pretty uh, uh, ultra-Orthodox community. Um, I grew up there most of my life. I went to uh, Yeshiva High School out of town for a little bit, then I came back, then I went to Israel for a year. Uh, then I came back after that, and then I went to college and work, and eventually I ended up in Crown Heights, where I met you, and uh, we dated, we got married, and uh, and here we are. That's a little bit background about me, just as a person, I guess. Um, so my journey in therapy, um, I guess I'll start at the beginning. I was like 26, I think, the first time I went to see a therapist. His name was Howard Yom. Um, How did you find him? So, a family member, uh, not direct family, indirect family member recommended I go to therapy. I guess I was um, struggling with anger issues at the time and rage and, you know, not not outwardly, but it was like a seething under, you know, it was like a, a pot boiling mm-hmm. and like it was noticeable. And this person was like, you know, maybe go see someone. And I think a lot of times for men, mm-hmm. the only acceptable way to like express despair, her sadness is anger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's also the easiest. It's like the most available um, emotion. You know, it's a very, very available emotion. You know, it's even more available than, let's say, happiness. You know what I mean? And 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 what am I saying? Of course, it's a lot more available than happiness. Happiness is very difficult. But um, yeah, so so uh, this person recommended to me therapy, and 
um, I remember at the time, um, like really walking in as guarded and as loaded as like, I don't know if you've ever seen The Sopranos or, but the way Tony mm-hmm. Soprano walks mm-hmm. in on the first episode to Dr. Melfi, like looking over his shoulder, thinking there's something wrong with him, that there's a stigma, all that stuff. And he even told me that in later sessions. Because, like, on the phone, I was like, so how much do you charge, like, right away? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the con over here? How much is this? <laughs> what's, how much is this scam going to cost? And then, and then I remember asking him, like, so... I have to so, pay for this bullshit? <laughs> no. Of course, right? And then, and then, and then in hindsight, it's hilarious. But during that time, it made perfect sense to me. It's like, how much do you want from me in order for me to do this? Because I didn't believe at all in doing what this was. It was just... This person that I respected told me to do this. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm clearly unhappy. I'll try, you know, something. And um, and I, I remember asking him, like, how many times do you think this is going to be? Is this, like, mm. do, do we need to do this five times or ten times? Like, what is, you know, what what is this, uh, you know, how, how long does this uh, conversion take? So to like, speak, fix or something me. like how much is it going to cost? And right, how long is it going right. to take? So in hindsight, there's so much in that. It's like something's wrong with me. Fix me, or I'm unhappy. Make me happy, or um, like anything else. You know, you go to the gym for eight months, you're going to see some sort of results. You go to therapy for eight months, you're going to see some sort of results. Like that type of approach. It's interesting. They told us. I remember one of my favorite professors in grad school said, like, every patient when you come when they come into therapy. You ask them, like, so why are you here? What do you hope to get out of it? And it's like, I just want to be happier. Right. But there's no being happier. There's I learning I how to I, I deal with the pain better. I can't even explain to you. I was how far away from any of anything that you just said right now, how far away I was conceptually from those things. I was coming from, uh, a, 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 you know, a background of not talking about these things these weren't these weren't things that you talk about you don't talk about feelings and what is a feeling what do you mean you're mm, feeling something oosh. you know oh well it's not oish it's just different it's you know ouch. full ouch y- yeah i guess i mean coming from the place that we're in now yes that's ouch but coming from uh a european you know holocaust surviving Again, I'm not justifying that that's the way people should live. I don't think it's good for anyone, but I get it. You know? Yeah, it's survival mode. Yeah, it's a very different deck of cards, a very different set of priorities. It's a very um, it's a very different view of the world. You know, it's a very different view of what life is. And, you know... Um, How was that therapy experience for you? Um... It was cute in hindsight. During, during, like, what do you mean wh- when you say cute? There was a lot of validation, but I didn't know what validation was then. So I was like, "This this guy, like, I don't come here to make you should make me feel good about myself. Tell me what's wrong with me, and I'll fix it." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's he, he's like <laughs> he's so good. Yeah. He's telling me. <laughs> You're like, shame me, yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. He's like telling me, like, yeah, you did you did go to very difficult schools and they did they did treat you as an outsider and it, that is very hurtful and blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, What? Dude, what? No, we're not we're not doing we're not like we're not doing this. What are you no no no, stop doing that, you know? 
and and then eventually that went on for but again i was so lost i was so clueless so it's like it's hard to it's hard to really have an understanding of it in the in the moment itself i'm trying to i'm trying to tap back to what it felt like to be in that room it felt very comfortable he was like a a hippie you know ponytail mm-hmm. you know uh, we used to talk about him doing uh you know uh, heroin as as in the village as a poet you know so he was like really you know he was like yeah man you know like woodstock vermont you know he ended up moving to vermont and you know and that that whole thing yeah you know i'm pretty sure he had a subaru you know like he checked off all the boxes of like a very cute jewish hippie lower you know lower east side village uh, therapist and it, it felt very comfortable he had like a nice little couch it was like it smelled a little bit musty a little bit there's a ton of books mm. he was always holding a tea and he was like how you doing yeah and I was like this guy's very very different from me and I don't get him and I don't I mean, he might not get me like he would constantly tell me that he got me but he didn't it's like the nuances of you know it changes later, like I think in life. The more you find yourself, the less you need people to understand you. The, the more you understand yourself and the more secure you are with yourself, the less you really need other people to understand you. I think the less we get defined by things about us, like, mm. oh, like you don't understand what it was like to be in yeshiva. Right. Right. Like we feel less defined by right. our experiences exactly. and we just feel more of like a whole person like Yeah, yeah that's I what felt I'm trying pain, to say. I felt happiness. As as you always do, you're more eloquent than me. Right. So it's more about as we as we walk away from these identities of I went to an abusive yeshiva and you don't get my pain and you don't get my struggle and you don't get me and again, you know what they say. It's like if if you're not a uh you know, if you're not angry when you're young and you know, and if you're not peaceful when you're older, you're kind of doing it wrong, which means it's like teenage, teenage, being a teenager. And I totally probably killed that quote, like, I don't whatever, but what I'm like, I got it. Yeah, being a teenager is part of it is the angst. Part of it's the anger, yeah. you know? You know? And it's so the hard. anti The anti establishment and all that stuff. So it's like those things at 26, it might be late, but I'll always say I was a late bloomer. And, um, like Rabbi Akiva. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and so, the, like, those identities, right? So he didn't get that, right? Which is whatever. In hindsight, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter all that much. But in the moment, I'm, I'm just trying to relive the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, he... Um, yeah, he, he thought he got the nuance of, like, growing up in an Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox home community, mm-hmm. etc. But, yeah, like anyone that doesn't actually have the experience and someone that does not gonna match up but overall he was a lovely guy i i can't say i learned anything but not because of him because of where i was i was like just so far away from like even being interested in healing like sometimes therapy is just a holding space it's just like the one place in the world where you're just feel held and like someone is trying to see you someone is trying to hear you they might not always do it, but just knowing that exists like creates a pathway for healing later on. That that's what it was. It was a, it was a respite. It was a little oasis. It was a place I would go to. I could talk, and I could be understood for the things that I felt were different about me than where I came from. And he mm-hmm. was like, "Yeah, it's, it's totally great." And like, we both loved credence. I think you know, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. 
Like, you know, and we would we would vibe on that stuff and we would just we would walk outside in nature and like just, you know, it was a it was a it was a little oasis, you know, it was a little it was a little cute space. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a couple of years later like he moved to Vermont and that ended our um, you know, relationship or or whatever and it's so sad when therapists move on i was i was a little lost i was like what am i gonna do and he was like i'll recommend you to someone and that that felt that that felt so so, yeah yeah and it felt also like yeah it was a little bit like what the fuck like it feels like an abandonment it is an abandonment it felt totally it felt very i felt very abandoned because also like he was pointing me off well, he wasn't. He was doing what no, a professional should do. That's what. That's how it felt like for you. Yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. And I wasn't good. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't ready for that. Like that was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't end up following up with anyone. I just. I just ended up not continuing therapy then. I've been on like both ends. Like a therapist. I had a therapist actually that passed away when I was little, and I could like tear up thinking about it now because it was so unbelievably painful. Like. What, what really, happened? Um, I was working with him for a while and all of a sudden I had to stop seeing him and it was like confusing and he was oh. sick. And then I found out later that he passed away and it was Eesh. just, it was so painful. It really yeah. like, yeah. he was so dear. You, you just reminded me of something I forgot. Go for I it. I once went to therapy as a kid with my parents. Oh my God, this is going to be good. That was the most awkward <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt your sad story, I know, but like I remember I remember going to therapy with my parents once, and the guy was like, "So what kind of TV do you like watching?" And oh I'm god! Like, I'm like, I don't know, a team. He's like, "So you like watching cars going off bridges?" And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> uh, "Maybe." <laughs> like my father's there. Like I'm not You're supposed like, to. I don't watch TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, like my Father's Day, I'm not supposed to be watching TV. And and whatever. He gave me like some CBT bullshit advice. He's like, if you want to make more friends, smile more. I'm like, okay, Joker. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, whatever. Sorry. So you were talking about. Well, I'm saying I've had I've had to like leave patients as I've like switched jobs internships and i've also like had therapists that have had to move away i've had yeah i had a therapist that passed away and I had a therapist that moved to colorado and on both ends of the spectrum it brings up so much about our attachment history and saying yeah. goodbye and if you've had any sort of abandonment or neglect it brings that up if you've had someone like pass away or you haven't had good goodbyes it can be really traumatic yeah yeah, it was. Um, I didn't know it at the time. You know, you, you, again, I had no idea how to navigate emotions then. Well, it's also a weird relationship because, like, you're like, why do I care so much? Because I'm paying. Like, I feel like the payment aspect makes us feel hmm. weird about the like intense love, attachment, and connection that we have towards our therapists. Yeah. Yeah. I never, uh, yeah. Any, you know, anywho, but uh, he, he they ended up moving to Vermont and a couple of months later, or maybe it was a year or two, I don't, I don't even remember. My whole 20s is a huge blur. Um, and I found out, I was, I, I remember I was in a gas station and I found out someone texted me or 
I'm, I'm aging myself here, but yeah, there was text then. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> got a Blackberry message. <laughs> I got a pigeon. <laughs> Smoke signal. Um, that he passed away. He slipped on the ice and he passed away in Vermont. And I remember crying. Ouch. And that, that was very, that's rare for me. Yeah. Like, you know, to allow myself to cry and, and you know. You really um, loved him. I guess I did. I, I guess that told me that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Lachaim Howard, wherever you are. Lachaim Howard, thank, thank you. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, I hope you're okay. What a hippie. Anyways. <laughs> um, I think I would have really liked him. He was hard not to like. He was a very likable person. He was just like, a you know, just a, a laid-back dude. Ish, you know, like laid back people always have that undercurrent of they're not, they're not laid back at all. You just have to find their buttons, <laughs> like you know, you put the granola in the yeah, wrong place, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exploding, maybe, maybe you have to litter on his premises in order for him to, like, you know, go lose his shit. But yeah, probably, yeah, he was that, he was that, you know, it's like that person that sells you a uh, you know, a weed bowl at a festival, like they seem all cool and everything because they're like. They're traveling their whole life and like, oh, you're so cool. Like, and then you say like the wrong thing to them yeah. or something. Like, is this made in China or something? And he's like, what? I make that in my basement with my kid's blood. You know, you're like, whoa. All right, man. <laughs> Anyways, but. um, I'm curious, was it hard to like even think about going back into therapy after losing Howard? I didn't go back into therapy after losing Howard. I, mm. I, I, I didn't go back. Um, the next time I went back was, I think, so let's say I was, I was 26. I probably saw Howard for a year and a half, two years. Let's say 28. I went back to Howard. I'm sorry. I went back into therapy probably at 31, 30, 31. Um, uh, I remember distinctly, I was, uh, it was like, the end of December or whatever it is. And I was sitting in my office and, I, you know, I always told myself that like different benchmarks that, that you hit, those are, those are the things that are going to make you happy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if I make a certain amount of money or if I lose weight or if I get this or if I get that or some external form, which to me at that time sounded like a very normal thing. Like, yeah, you get a BMW, you're happy. What do you mean? Like that, to me, that sounded. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't like you know. I wasn't open. I wasn't exposed to ideas of like um, that materialism is bullshit. Like those were not. You know, I was exposed to ideas of you do mitzvahs and you go to Gan Eden and you do averis and you go to Gehenim and you um, you contribute to tzedakah. God's gonna help you with your livelihood and. You help out other people because it's good for them and it's good for you, but kind of mostly because it's good for you, you know? So there's a lot of that tit-for-tat type yeah. of relationship that you have with things. And it's like, okay, so great. So now I'm going to work, so I'm going to make money, so I'm going to buy myself the thing that's going to make me happy. And then I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You know, it's like all these little numbers that are supposed to come together to an equation. And they kind of work for a lot of people, but it didn't work for me. You know? On some level, they work, but I don't think there's anything more painful than getting exactly what you want yeah. and feeling empty yeah. inside. Yep. Em 
empty. It's so excruciatingly painful. Yeah. So that that's that. I remember that I was sitting in my office, and I and I was looking at the year and my life, and I hit those few benchmarks that I put so much value and weight on, and I was like, I am miserable. Oof. And then I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta check at the therapy. Um, and then I reached out to a friend of mine, and he's like, listen, call this woman. My cousin. Is working with her or whatever this and that. She's great. Blah, blah, blah. She's local. Okay. Um, I I started working with her and something just felt off. Something just felt off. She didn't. Um, she wasn't very nice. Which you know that yeah, that yeah. to me is like a big red flag. Like you got to be nice. You got to be a nice person. Um, be kind. Right. That's what I meant. Kind. Nice is bullshit, but kind yeah. is so important kind she was you're 100% right she wasn't kind she wasn't like there was no like empathy there was just like try this try that um it just didn't work you know um, whatever it just didn't work I think finding a good therapist is like dating you know yeah like yeah there has to be chemistry to- totally totally you have to like each other totally you have to respect each other totally but like some people in life, you're like, okay, this how I'm I'm I don't know how this person's ever gonna get married. Yeah, that's what my thoughts were about this therapist. Like, I don't know how anyone could work with her. And looking back, I stayed there because I was like sort of a masochist. You know what I mean? Like I was talking about earlier about he was like shamey. She was doing that, and then I, I was like I was like a cat drinking out of the bowl and coming back for more because I was like, oh, okay, this is what. It, a part of you really believed it. Right. Right. This is what it looks like. Right. Well, I think that's what why therapists don't give advice. Right. Because when you give advice, there's always some level of like shame involved in it. Like you don't know what to do. I'll tell you what to do. I know what's right. You don't know what's right. What you think is wrong. If you're not having the discussion, like what do you want to do? Like what do you think you should do? Where's that coming from? If you yeah. just give advice, yeah. there's always an element. It never feels right to right. just get advice. Right, and I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm skipping here. I tried a few therapists in between Howard and this woman. I tried another guy who was shady AF, mm-hmm. like he was renting someone's office, someone else's office, and he would do weird things of me, like in the middle of the session, and be like, "Okay, let's go into the parking lot." Like, okay, we go into the parking lot. Okay, so what do you see here? Like these weird, Ooh, yeah, like, pa- gimmicky. Like, like gimmicky power trip type shit. Like he's trying to own me or dominate me or like. I'm thinking of that scene in the in a serious man. Look at the parking lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's all yeah. about perspective. Yeah, not not like that though. It wasn't like it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like earnest and wholesome. It wasn't earnest and wholesome, and also he wasn't offering anything by doing that. He was like playing me, mm. and I was like, this is weird. And he seemed like a very bright and intelligent and talented guy but it also just came off like he lost his license and he's doing hack therapy out of some garage or something you know but he came very highly recommended blah 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 you know so there's a lot of charlatans in this game there's a lot of people that are just you know they again we're all human beings and like who knows like what you know is going on a lot of people that don't fit for i tell that to people all the time He seemed more like a, just, I don't know, weird, but whatever, anyways. I think, also, like, side note, 
I think sometimes I don't find it with my generation of from therapists, but I think old school from therapists, they're always felt like a little bit of a malava malka. Like they didn't really, they weren't as boundary. Right. They didn't like right. follow the rules as well. Right. Like they might call you in between, like just to chat or like they would tell you about other stuff, other patients or talk about themselves, which is like pretty not okay. Yeah. as far as practice goes yeah and then i saw this other guy in bar park who when i walked at his office he just had pictures of all the gedalim or and he's like he was um endorsed by the aguda and then i knew i was fucked yeah no yeah <laughs> Fuck it away. i was like all right this i have this some is... non-aguda issues <laughs> yeah this is this is 360 dollars. i'm never getting back anyways but um yes yeah, so i bounced around a little bit and then, um, and then I found um, this guy. What was his name again? I forgot his name. This is so crazy. It's, you know, that's the strangest thing about therapy. It's that for the time that you're with this person, there's literally no one that knows you better. They're like the most important person. The most in your important life. person in your life. But once you're done, you kind of forget them. It's such a weird thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, listen, as a therapist, I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm, I'm just like, I can't remember this guy's name. I've experienced that with therapists, and I see patients that experience it with me. It's such a weird thing. Well, I think if you're doing it right, when your job's over, it feels kind of like tucked away neatly. So you're like, you're like Batman at the end of the second Yeah, Batman, like, I want to like... like I don't, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but I want to come in and come out, like do a good open heart surgery and close it up and you don't see that there was any surgery there and you feel fine. Right. But that's, that's from where you're sitting, from where I'm sitting. It was, it's, it, that's, so for you, right. It's, it's kind of like, that is the, that is the ultimate good job that you could do. But for me, it's so strange that I cannot remember this guy's name. And I, would drive once a week, 45 minutes, both ways, to go see this person and really... That's a weird... That's very... And it's I have a good peculiar, memory. Yeah. It is peculiar. Well, I think maybe there's a part of you that's that really... is repressing it. What do you mean? Maybe there's a part of you that's like repressing part of the experience. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. What would that look like? Um, I think maybe there's a. it was a very uncomfortable time in your life. It was a very painful time in your life. And those are the type of memories that we kind of push down. This is what you get when you marry a therapist, by the way. <laughs> this is so crazy. Like, okay, I can't remember him. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. It will come to you. The more you try to remember, the less yeah, likely you are. Yeah. But um, that, was, that was the beginning of a good experience like again he he was not he was he was a very good space and and I, and I think this like works with the Buddhist saying like when the student is ready the teacher appears and it took me a long time to be ready so at that time I still wasn't ready because I mean basically from from my experience and my perspective therapy can only illuminate to you what you're ready to see mm. like it can't it could shine all the lights and everything, but like, if you're not open and you're not looking and you're not willing, this has got to be a 
big, big willingness. Mm. That is the biggest, for me, it's the biggest thing. It's you got to be willing. Like you got to be really, really willing to like face it. It's a lot, there's a lot to face. You know, for everyone it's different, but you need that, you need that willingness to face it. Mm -hmm. And you could have the best therapist and the best whatever conditions and, and, and everything. You know, you could go, you could go to psychoanalysis three times a week and if the willing, you know, there's gotta, there's gotta be that willingness. So I, I, I didn't have that yet. I was far, far away from the willingness, but he was just a really nice, kind, sweet, just a good dude. You know, just a good dude. And he would listen, he'd offer some feedback, and he'd be there. And, uh, you know, he was kind of he was kind of cool, like if he wanted to skip a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would, I came in once and he wasn't there. Like, he was that kind of guy, mm-hmm. you know. Um so like where where I am today, I would never stand for that. But where I was then, I was like, okay, cool. I don't mind. Uh, go get a coffee afterwards. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, treat myself to a donut and drive back and not have to go to therapy. And uh, and then he would and then he would give me a free session because he screwed up. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, money in the bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe buy a pair of shoes on the way home. You know, a little retail therapy in there. And. Uh, yeah, so so that that was that, and um, and then fast forward to a couple of years later. Um, so then I then I then I moved out of Muncie, and then I stopped therapy. And then I met the person that really started me on on the on the journey that really kick started he was very serious about therapy he's like you have to come every week you have to come on time mm. i'm going to give you homework and we're going to follow up on that and i have a group therapy practice and i want you to join it and that was the real shit i think those sort of boundaries yeah can be so healing they were very important for me so healing yeah. as as annoying as they are as difficult they yeah. are, as they are it's so healing to have someone who gives a shit and make sure that you give a shit right and that's okay and you like show up for yourself if like you're yeah. not able to show up for yourself i'm going to make sure that you show up for yourself yeah yeah and um and he had a very much a cbt approach mm. um cognitive behavioral therapy yes how was that for you i love homework you know how much I love homework, yeah. right? It's like, oh, tell me what to do. So in the beginning, it was like, tell me what to do, and I'm, I'm going to get fixed, right? And, but I got I got hand to myself for being willing because he gave me the most silly exercises. He's like, every morning, I want you to get up, and I want you to write 10 things that you're proud about yourself or, 10 th- or, or, or even the smallest things. Today, I brushed my teeth. Today... I did the dishes today. Forget doing like forget doing dishes was like months later. We're talking about small things that you do. Some parenting, some yeah, to reaffirm, to reaffirm. So right, so to reaffirm your self esteem to yourself and like exercises like that, and and I would do it, and I would do it, and it's so not silly. It's the bread and butter of having a good relationship with yourself. Right, and when I say silly, I didn't. I I hope I didn't come off as disparaging or, or like 
mocking it at all. But what I mean is it was like the most trivial things. Mm-hmm. Today I got up, today I got out of bed, today, you know, small baby steps. And, and I got to say also the group therapy was tremendous for me. Tell me about that. How was that for you? It was so hard. It was so hard. It was so, so difficult because, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but maybe I can only speak for myself, but like to listen to other people sometimes is just difficult. Especially week after week, they, they go on and they come in with the same stuff. They're not really, they're not, I don't know if they're not, I don't know if they're not willing or they can't or they're not, you know, able. Well, other people really trigger us. Uh-huh. We see a yeah. lot of the things that we don't like about ourselves sure. and other people. Sure. So it's one thing if you're sitting in the room with a therapist who's trying as hard as they can be to be a blank slate, but you're sitting there with like a bunch of other people who are actively working through their shit. Yeah. And trying to show up as authentically and as vulnerably as they can. And there's going to be a lot of things that just trigger the shit out of everyone or are yeah. reminiscent of painful. Yeah hurtful, annoying those, dynamics. So there's a, you know, I, again, I don't know much about other group therapies, only had this experience. There's a lot of, there was a lot of pain in that room. There was a lot of pain in that room. Um, and once a week, you're in that soup, you know, and you're a part of it. And you learn a lot. You learn to rely on other people. You learn to open up to other people. You learn to feel for other people. It's a really valuable, corrective emotional experience. Yeah. So I, at the time, I didn't know that. Again, I didn't know a lot, of, a lot of these ideas. I wasn't exposed to that. So for the first month, I was like, first of all, I wasn't taking it seriously. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, um, oh, this Wednesday I have a concert. <laughs> yeah, and then after like, You're like oh, therapies. Yeah, I can't make yeah. it. <laughs> I'll fit you in when I can fit you in. No, my so my one-on-one therapy I took very seriously, yeah. right? I want to miss mostly because he would charge you if you missed. So that really kept me in line. Really got your goat. Yeah, that really. Uh, I need you know. I'm not. <laughs> that was most of the reason, to be honest. Um, but then group, you had three absences, and it was the summer, and Mumford and Sons was in town. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to that. And then the group called me out. They're like, you're not taking this seriously. And I got super defensive. Mm. So that was like the first thing. I was like, okay, when people demand something of me, I get defensive. When people say, when people bring me to task, I get very defensive. And so... And then I learned about my vocal tone, and then I learned about how I come across, and then I learned about how, you know, a lot of things that that I just bring to the table about who I am and how I react in the world in a space that allows for that. It's like the boxing ring of of stuff. Like, you can go in there and punch it out, and it's okay, because at the end, everybody leaves and they hug each other, and... Again, it's so weird because I left group and I never really spoke to any of those people again. But at that time, there was no one that knew more about what was going on in my life than that group of people. Mm. And me about them, obviously. And I tried staying in touch, but it's like going to Landmark and staying in touch with people. I have to go to Landmark. It's just something weird. There's a weird feeling about it. And You can't recreate the magic. You can't. You really can't. You have a powerful moment. You have a powerful experience. You have a powerful pocket of time, and that's just what it is. And I, I, I learned that, and I, that, and I just, and I'm okay with that. And and you, it's you, like you said, you can't recreate these things. It's like, well, I think also 
when we're like in a really sad place and we're feeling so disconnected, those things mean so much more to us than when we're feeling like connected and comfortable in our lives. Like those mo- like going the high of a concert or a festival or like a seminar, that high means so much more to us because we're in such a broken place. But as we become more whole with ourselves, we can appreciate them for what they are as beautiful experiences, but they don't fill us up. They don't fix us. Right. They don't change everything yeah. for us. It's like, that was great. Yep. And it is what it is. And we can take it in for good and we can watch it fade and we can reminisce. Yeah. And, and, and that's actually how that part of the journey ended is that after about two years, I was like, I think we, you know, I think we've reached our point. And he was like, yeah, I think you're right. And the next time we spoke was when you and I got engaged. Wow. He was really happy for us. He came to our L'chaim for like a second. That's so sweet. I think there was so many people there. He got we overwhelmed. so many therapists at our L'chaim, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> One giant payroll. Um, All but the people I, that got it, us to that moment. But again, with him, I had a very similar experience. He's like, because we had a closeout session, like... Like as as we got near to to uh, terminating our relationship, we had a uh, like like a month of like prep of how to yeah. ease out. He was super professional. This guy, I mean, like, I I can't speak higher to his professionalism. Like you you knew tidbits about his life that he would release here and there because people knew him in the community or this that whatever, and he had this like professional stance and smile, and he was like just an, a a great person but also he had his pocket where he stayed in his pocket you know what I mean and um, sounds incredible yeah he was a good dude really really good guy I learned a lot from him um, but ironically when when you and when when you and I started dating I went back to him and then I was like hmm no yeah no you weren't in that place anymore. I was in that place anymore that's so weird yeah yeah and I was like, I don't know. How, and, and, and it was weird because I was like, I don't know how this ever worked for me. It was such a, such a weird thing. It's peculiar. It's, it's yeah. so peculiar. Yeah. 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 There's different therapists for different times in your life. Different times. I feel that so deeply. When yeah. we started dating, I was with a therapist that I had been with for th- four years, I think. And prior to us start dating, I was in psychoanalysis three days a week. Mm because I was in psychoanalytic training mm-hmm. and I think as like I shifted and I think we did so much healing together as we were dating it just I needed a different type of therapy I needed uh we needed couples therapy yep 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 and then right that's that's what brought us to to our current therapist this is uh, when we started dating we started going to couples therapy yeah and yeah. I think anyone that's like dating and it's like struggling with the like process of dating but really freaking loves their partner I think that couples therapy is the most powerful and beautiful gift you can give to yourself and your partner in terms of healing and connecting yeah you use words that I would never use but let's say we're in agreement to the concept (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, 
from I, I, I agree with you to the end point, but I, I, I see the build up differently. It's, Tell me. It's, I'm curious. Dating is a negotiation of space. Dating is a negotiation of rights. Dating is a negotiation of like um, uh, individuality. And it's a combination of individuality and togetherness. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's hard, right? Because like, you know, you're, you're used to being independent and then you have to give up a lot of that. And you're not sure, again, I'm speaking only for myself, you're not sure if um, this, this uh, uh, sacrifice is too much. It's a gamble. Besides for the besides for the risk factor of it, right? So the risk factor that that you need to decide on your own. Do you like this person or not? That's yeah. like, you know, you got you got to be focused, right? Like, what do you want? You know, you got it. So that's the basics. Like, what do you want out of a relationship in this time in your life? And do you like this person that you're with? You should never be with someone that you don't like, and you you shouldn't do something that you shouldn't want to do. That's basic autonomy, right? But even once you're in that. Right. Even once you're in that, it, there's an, it's a negotiation of like the 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 give and take of like how much can I give and what do I and what do I you know what do I take and 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 is the dynamic that I have with give and take a healthy one? Meaning like oh I did the dishes so you do the this you know and the, the, all that you know trade off and all that stuff. Do you want to live in that dynamic? Right. I also think there's like a like a level of just like trauma informed dating sure like what's your shit like sure. what's your pain sure what's my pain how does our pain trigger each other's pain when i say this am i talking about the here and now or am i talking about a childhood wo- wound is it fair for me to put my childhood so, wound on you so I, th- I i think we're intending i'm i'm actually that's really what i was talking about is that when you're dating, a lot of things seem like one thing and they're really about something else. Yeah. If you're so, fighting about the dishes, right. it's probably not about the dishes. Exactly. So it's, it's really about, are, are you suffocating me? Are you trying to suffocate me? Are you trying to dominate me? Are you trying? Yeah. No. Why do I feel that way? Oh, because this, that, whatever, right? Different experiences in my life before that bring up these feelings in me. But in the meantime, all that person asks for, do you mind putting away the half and half in the morning? What? Yeah. Like, you know, guilty as charged. Yeah. You know, like, so, so what, what happens in that moment? So, so couples therapy is a great place. It's sort of like you're both, you know, it's, it's like a, a ping pong match and you have a ref and, yeah, and the ref calls, before. right. And the ref, this. the ref calls the shots, you know, and okay. Not to use a sports analogy, you know what I mean? But like sports, <laughs> It was a great place for me to be checked and it was a great place for me to be heard. Yeah. It was both. It was like a lot of times I was off and I didn't realize I was off and then it was re-verbalized to me and, and restructured to me. And I was like, you have you saw that a bunch of times. Yeah. Like we're sitting yeah. there and I was like, oh, I never thought of it that way. And I never thought I was coming across that way. And let me think about that. And yeah, interesting. And a lot of times I almost walked out. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Um, or I threatened to walk out and, um, and a lot of times I was heard and a lot of times we came together toward at the end and it was really beautiful. And we never walked out of couples therapy worse than when we came in. Right. We've, we've, no matter what shit we bought in, how crazy things were, how intense things were, we always left being able to turn towards each other. And that's, that was the biggest thing I would say personally I learned in couples therapy. Like 
was how to be tender mm-hmm. and like how to turn towards you and how to let you in because like I would come at you like as if like I was willing to like throw the whole relationship away over like anything because I was so scared and to like know like no this is the one person in the entire world that I can trust to like be by my side and so even if I don't Who? <laughs> my other boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy you speak of? You. Oh. This um, is the one person that I can trust. And like, so even if like I'm upset, even if I'm angry, I have to know that he's there for me and I have to be there for him. I have to check. Am I overwhelming you? Like, is this like more than you can handle? Is this more than I can handle? Just being aware of that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Those, uh, those definitely a lot of that. And then that also came to an end. Yeah, at some point that, where it was that, like... At some point that that um, that reached its climax, meaning that you can't do that forever. Eventually you have to be two separate people in a relationship. You, I guess you have to learn how to come together and then you have to learn how to be separate within. Yeah, I think couples therapy is on our back burner if like anything were to come up like... If th- as things do come up now, yeah, we've even we've had we've had some check-in sessions, sure. And like it's also for like good stuff, like big decisions as a couple, just yeah. like having yeah. another voice, having yeah. a good lifeguard in the pool, as you said before. Yeah. But I. It's mostly like when you become very difficult. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think the biggest thing that couples therapy taught us was like how to face our own shit instead of making it about the other person. Yep. yep. Like, oh, you never do this. You never do that. So I can't be happy. Yeah. And our therapist would be like, why the hell are you putting the key to your happiness in someone else's hands? Yeah. That's a crazy thing to do and you'll never be happy. Right. Again, not the way I understood it, but like... The way, the way I understood it was that when you're angry or when you're upset, you take that and you project it onto the other person. You make it their fault because it's just easier to do that. But it is your it's fault. It's simpler. What, what, it's, <laughs> again, it's just different experiences. Yeah. This is a podcast. Please take it seriously. <laughs> Enough of these jokes. Enough of those fun games. Yeah. Um, it, like for me that that's what it was it was like it was like you're displacing your emotions and you're putting them on the other person and somehow it's their fault because the there's water on the floor like for some silly bullshit thing <sighs> that would never upset you if you were living alone at yourself or if you're just your good friend was over eh, maybe mm-hmm. but um you know but but it's like something that you would never hold against anyone else but over here like you're angry about whatever, whatever, whatever it is came up. You're upset, you're hurt, you're this, that, whatever. And then suddenly it becomes about some trivial thing about the other person. So that really was a turnaround for me. That was a big learning curve for me that like check yourself before you wreck yourself of like, where is this coming up from? What's really going on? Chill out. It's not Esther's fault. Figure it out. You know, breathe, figure it out. I have to say like watching you go through that process is so unbelievably inspiring. Thank you. Because it's the hardest thing in the world to take accountability of our feelings. I and think the hardest you thing you do that very well. I think the hardest thing in the world is is working out 
<laughs> Shua, if you're listening to this, I still want to cancel you every time. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to deflect that with a joke, but um, yeah. I'm curious what you would say, like, from all your therapy experiences, what has been like the most powerful lesson that you've learned? Hmm. There's so many, but uh, and again, different stages of 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 life. Um. I would say that that like I'm I'm like scattered now. I don't even yeah. know where to go. Um, there's there's all there's there's many you know there's there's many different ways of how to go about that. But I I think love really can you know can can heal a lot. And, and feeling loved and accepted as you are really is not overrated, you know? Yeah. We, we tend to think that it's overrated because, like, we, we look for it. We don't find it. We hear songs about the elusiveness of it. We watch movies of it either working out or not working out. And um, we're basically given either option one of some romantic bullshit idea of what love is or option two is of like just extreme heartbreak and um i think just having someone else to accept you listen to you on good days and bad days over and over and over again can really make you feel safe and can really say you know what i can now I could turn this around. Yeah. You know? So powerful. Yeah. I just want to ask you one more question before sure. we end tonight. Um, what does hello darkness mean to you? I guess on different days it would mean different things. On a good day it would mean like, hey, what's up darkness? Like I have a dark side as I'm sure many people do. Um, I tend to deal with that a lot with jokes and humor. Um, not that I'm funny or anything. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm funny, but what I'm, that's, that's my coping mechanism. You're the after me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> High praise. <laughs> I've heard your jokes. <laughs> um, um, but I, I, I think when you I think when you laugh at your darkness, I think that in itself there's something sad about that. There's something there's something sad about the sad clown, you know? I think Hello Darkness is like I don't know, to me to me the to me the best I don't you know, on, on my best days I'm like, eh, whatever, so darkness, whatever, you know. Like, hey, what's up? You just walk by it, yeah. you say hi, and you continue on with your day. You don't let it you can acknowledge it without being yeah. You can acknowledge yeah, absolutely. I've had some I've had some really sad things happen to me in my life. I've had some tough times that I had to get through. 
but I think that delving in it and uh, making it part of my identity and all that at the in the long run disservices me. So if I can just if I could take the darkness and put it on a table and just wave to it low and just continue on with my day, those are my best days. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much, Akiva. My pleasure. This was fun. It was so lovely to have you on. It, it was my. It was me. a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.